Good morning. Glad to see everyone here today that uh, made an effort to come out in the rain and conditions. I'll tell you, I really miss being here. Uh, Sister Reva and I were talking about it. This might have been, I believe it was, the first time in 40 years that I missed two Sundays in a row. And uh, that's amazing. But anyway, I missed y'all. Great to be back with the family of God. Are you glad you're here today? Amen. I'm glad I'm here. Today, I've chosen the passage of Scripture out of Philippians chapter 2. If you have a Bible or a phone that has it on there, just uh, bring up Philippians chapter 2 and we'll read together. I'm reading out of the New King James, so uh, may sound a little different than your particular translation. Begins by saying, therefore, if there is any consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any affection and mercy fulfill my joy by being like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord and one mind, let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem others better than himself. Let each of you look out not only for his own interests, but also for the interests of others. And verse 5 says, Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus who being in the form of God did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but made himself no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of men. Being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross." Therefore God also has highly exalted him and given him the name which is above every name that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow. Those in heaven, those on the earth, and those under the earth. And that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. I know that these words were penned by Paul the Apostle to the church at Philippi. And yet as I read through this this past week, I recognize that the Holy Spirit inspired this not only for the church at Philippi, but for the churches that would go on and on and on after that. This particular passage just jumped out at me several parts of it because we are coming together as one body we've already done that legally some of you know and are familiar with that we're coming together and how many know unity is not an easy thing to do sometimes people disagree Really? Sometimes people don't see things exactly the same way as you do. Wow, what an amazing thing that is. But see, God created us in order that he might use us corporately, not just individually, but corporately to be his body in the earth. Can you imagine that? I mean, you know, we studied the book, uh, all of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the Gospels, and we see Jesus. And I'll tell you, if you study the Scripture, especially in the Gospels, Jesus comes alive. I mean, you can really see the life of Christ if you uh, 
get into the Gospels and, and read it and allow it to minister to you, you recognize Jesus. You get to know about Him through His Word. And you get to know Him when He makes Himself real to you. Now, next thing, you see a godly man, woman, godly person, and you recognize Jesus in that person. I know I've done that myself. I recognize Jesus in Pastor Gary. I see Jesus alive in him. I recognize the spirit of the Christ. But you know, that's not the most important thing. Oh, it's important to see Jesus alive in the Bible. It's important to see Jesus alive in other people. But until you really see Jesus alive in you, you haven't really gotten to the place that God wants us to be in that transformation process. Three things I want to talk to you about today very briefly. I'll just outline it for you. Humility. The battle of the mind. And also becoming more Christ-like. And so keep those three things in mind as we go through. The very first part that I read here out of chapter 2, the first word is therefore. And when I see the word therefore, I want to know what the word is there for. And so I look back before, why did he say therefore? And if I go back to verse 27, it says, let your conduct. Everybody say conduct. conduct. Yeah. Let your conduct be worthy of the gospel of Christ. Let your conduct be worthy of the gospel of Christ as believers we are in Christ now you may have heard that before but that needs to become real to us we're in Christ now the word Christ is from the Greek Christos which is exactly the same word as Messiah or Messiah in the Hebrew so it is Jesus, the Messiah, we're in Christ, connected to Christ. I mean, He dwells within us, directing us, guiding us, leading us, empowering us to do service for Him through the Holy Spirit. But not only should our lives be worth living for Christ, we should be so dedicated to Him that we would be willing to die for him. Paul penned a little earlier in this book in chapter 1, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. Why is to die gain? I'm going to tell you it's a whole lot better there in his presence than it is here as much as I love you. It's better to be in His presence than in your presence. And I love you. I love to be in your presence. I miss when I'm not in your presence. And yet, to die is great gain. Because we leave this realm and we're together with Him united forever and ever. Whatever happens, we need to conduct ourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. We need to remember, when Paul penned these words, he was chained to guards and facing death. He wrote, let your life in every way represent the gospel of Jesus Christ. And he was chained at that time and facing death not for what he did, but for what he believed. How many of you know, Paul tells us if we're united with Christ, there should be 
encouragement, comfort, all those things that he mentioned. Fellowship. So strong that even in hard times, we can hold on. We can make it because of the empowerment of the Christ within us. You see, he walked on the earth some 2,000 years ago. Healed the sick, raised the dead, cleansed the leper, calmed the storm, walked on water. You know, all of those wonderful things in a body called Jesus of Nazareth, the carpenter's son. Completely human and completely deity, God. But today, that body, crucified, buried, resurrected, risen, is seated at the right hand of the Father making intercession for us. But he has a brand new body in the earth. The body of Christ. And he said, My brother Stan, don't get on to me. Jesus said, The works that I do shall you do also, and greater works than these shall you do, because I go to my Father. His body in the earth is unlimited as we corporately come together in the unity of the faith, in the knowledge of the Son of God, unto a perfect man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, we know that He empowers us every day of our lives. What He says is, be like-minded, same love, same spirit, one purpose. He tells us, there ought to be unity in the body of Christ. Amen. How is that going to be? We have to have the mind of Christ. I'll get there in a minute, but keep this in mind. There is a battle going on for your mind. Those thoughts that come, those ungodly thoughts that come, come to all of us. There's a battle going on for your mind. Those thoughts of fear and doubt and even unbelief and, and all of the things that plague our minds, you have to recognize there's a battle going on for our mind. When I talk about Jesus in a church setting like this, everybody's comfortable with that. And you know, we, we love Jesus. We're called by Him and we worship Him. But there are some places in our world that mentioning the name Jesus, people ridicule, make fun, laugh at you, put pressure on you. Before you can have the mind of Christ, you have to settle in your mind who He is. If you mention Jesus' name in the world, they're ready to ridicule. Some people even make jokes about Jesus and what He's done. And I'll tell you, I've seen some horrible things online to ridicule and make fun of our Lord Jesus. But as believers in Christ, we have to know who He is. We have to know that He's alive today, yesterday, today, and forever the same. And He lives in us and we are in Him. Now, that brings joy. Brings great joy. I mean, you know... Wouldn't it be wonderful to be with those that have gone on before us? Wouldn't that be amazing? You can probably think of someone, a mother, a grandmother, a, uh, someone that was very close to you that you'd like to be with again. Imagine the joy that would come from being together with them. 
And that's exactly what I'm talking about. Because we can have fellowship with Jesus, the Messiah, the Christ. We're in Him. We don't have to be separate. We can have His mind, or in other words, we can have all of His thoughts and purposes and, and plans and, and uh, follow His instruction. Whether the world admits it or not, whether they accept it or not, Jesus is Lord. Jesus is the Savior of this world. He's God. But to be Lord and Savior, that means that He has to be first above all else. It means that He's the King, the King of all kings, the Master of our lives. That's the first thought in a nutshell. Before we can really develop the mind of Christ and the humility of Christ, we have to settle who He is. Humility means that when we look at Him, we see God that loves us so much that He was willing to die for us. He humbly became a man, redeemed us by his sacrifice. Let me begin in verse 5 of that same passage in Philippians chapter 2. Let this mind be in you. What does it mean to have this mind in you? The one that was also in Christ Jesus. It means to think those thoughts, to have his purposes Being in the form of God, he did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation. Can you imagine that? God in the flesh without bragging made himself of no reputation. Did not have conceit Remember what Paul said? We need to be like-minded, not having those selfish ambitions and vain conceit. See, when we see Jesus, He made Himself of no reputation, but taking on the form of a bondservant, coming in the likeness of men and being found in appearance as a man, humbled Himself became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. If we're to follow His humility, we can't be self-centered. Oh, I know the independence of our society. I mean, we're an independent bunch. The United States of America. Our society, it's all about me. Amen. That's the way people think in the world. But we can't be self-centered, but we have to look for ways to bless others while serving God. Being like-minded with Christ, Paul said, make my joy complete by being like-minded. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Romans chapter 12 tells us, don't be conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. How do we renew our mind? I'll tell you, one good, one good method is the washing of the water by the word. Renewing our minds. Renewing our minds. See, there's a battleground there. Battle going on for your mind. 
the thoughts are coming. You have to take every thought captive. Bring it into the obedience of the knowledge of God. Cast down vain imaginations. Everything that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. We don't need a new brain. We need a new mind. That's what repentance is, you know. Change of mind. When you repent, you change your way of thinking. You're going down the road. See, in the religious world, a lot of times the word repent has become a bad word. Oh, you know, repent, you old dirty thing. You know, that, that's, that's kind of what we hear in the religious world. But the word repent is very, very, very good for everyone. Listen to this. Repent simply means I'm headed down the road that leads to destruction. And I stop. If I repent, I stop going down the road that leads to destruction. I turn around. And I go to the road that leads to life eternal. You see, change of heart and change of mind is much the same thing. The brain is not the mind. The brain contains the mind. You're aware of that. The brain is actually just the signaling device, the computer, as it were, for all of the rest of your body. It sends impulses to, you know, if you want to move your finger, think about it and it'll move. You know? Your soul is what's contained in your brain. And your soul is to your spirit what your brain is to your body. And so, what you have in your soul, Jesus said this, when it drops down into your heart, from the abundance of your heart, your mouth will speak. See, if you have what the world says in abundance in your heart from those thoughts, then you're going to say what it is that is in abundance in your heart. I tell people all the time, you know, if I drop a hammer or an anvil on my foot, I'm not going to stop and think what I'm going to say about that. It's just immediately whatever's in there is coming out. That's what happens, you see. So the battle is, the devil is about to, uh, he's all about bringing thoughts into our minds that would cause us to doubt, to fear, and to not believe the truth of the gospel. That's what he's doing in the world. That's what he's doing in the church. <gasps> really? Oh, yeah. That's what he's doing all the time. But we have to recognize that our mind is our soul. Now, if I could take my spirit out right now and just put it out here beside me, I believe it would look much like I do. I think we'll know one another when we get on the other side without this body, with a glorified body. I think we'll look much the same. My spirit was made new. A new creation in Christ Jesus. Old things passed away and all things became new. My spirit is not the problem. But my soul still has to be renewed. Be not conformed to the world and what the world says, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Let me just take a side track just a minute to instruct you a moment. There are not three different wills of God. He doesn't have a good will or an acceptable will and then a perfect will. I just let me encourage you to uh, let the Holy Spirit make this real to you. His good will is acceptable and perfect. 
His acceptable will is good and perfect. His perfect will is good and acceptable. He has one will. Some people want to say, well, I know maybe it's not the perfect will of God, but I think he'll accept it. See, you try try to manipulate God. Oh, my. What a dangerous thing. Don't be conformed to the world and the world's way of thinking because there's a battle for your mind. But humble yourself. Now see, two things working together, we are united by humility, by humbling ourselves, considering others more valuable than ourselves. And also... We recognize that whenever we humble ourselves, that we become aware of the things that are going on around us and in our mind. And when we become aware of that, then it's up to us to do something about it. Did you know it's not up to the devil? Did you know? It's not even up to God. If it was up to God, everybody would be healed. If it was up to God, wouldn't nobody have any problems? He doesn't have any sickness. That comes from the world. Now, God loves you, desires the very best for you. But you know a lot of that is up to us. We have to respond to God's love, to God's mercy, to God's provision, to God's kindness. We have to respond. How many know it's not God's will that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance? Guess what? All do not come to repentance. If it was up to God, all would repent. But you see, we have a responsibility, especially when it comes to the battle of our mind. We have a responsibility to take those thoughts captive, bring them into obedience to the knowledge of God. First of all, you have to know what God said. The question we ought to be asking ourselves every day. How can I become more Christ-like? Would you agree with me that the more Christ-like we become, the better off we're going to be? Well, certainly. No one would disagree with that. Becoming more Christ-like has to be our decision. Oh yes, it's God's desire. It's God's plan. But it's our decision. You know, some people are amazed when they realize that God will not violate your will. Oh, some people... uh, never thought such a thought as that. Oh, God's so... Powerful God can do anything. Yes, he can do anything. But let me tell you what he does. He gives us a will, a mind, a soul. No other creature that he ever created has that. But we do. We have a soul. We can think and meditate on whatever we choose to think and meditate on. God will help us if we will allow Him. God transforms. God changes us. But we have to allow Him to make those changes. I'm going to talk about that in just a minute. The process always demands our cooperation. It's not up to God. It's not up to the devil. It's up to you. Jesus said, 
as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. Jesus said, if you believe in your heart, don't doubt it in your heart, believe those things that you say will come to pass, you'll have what you say. Didn't he say that? And you know that works both ways. If you're saying positive or negative, whatever you believe in your heart and say with your mouth, you're calling that into existence. God gave you a will to be able to change your entire life. And there's a consistent battle going on between our ears. Becoming more Christ-like is, we call it Christian growth. First of all, we get born again, we get saved, and we develop a relationship with Him. We're immature in wisdom and knowledge, and we're inexperienced in grace and love. We're, we're babes in Christ. Then we begin to grow. How do we grow? By learning the Word of God. Faith comes by hearing. And hearing by the Word. And so, if I need to increase my faith, the only thing I need is more Word. Amen. If I want to increase my faith, I need to increase my intake of the Word of God. Faith comes by hearing the Word. Second Peter chapter 3. He says, grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Wow. That is an amazing passage right there. An amazing scripture. It tells us that God doesn't want us to be babies forever. Oh, don't you love that? I've got some, uh, as a matter of fact, the youngest one, my great-granddaughter is three months old. And, and they're just so precious as babies. So precious. And, 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 and it just brings you such joy. But if I see a 16-year-old sucking a bottle and I have to change their diaper, 16 years old, that's not funny anymore. Amen? We have the opportunity to grow in grace and knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. As a matter of fact, he says that to us in several places. One in Ephesians, he says, grow up. <laughs> we need to recognize that we're born again, but we don't need to stay babies. We need to grow in grace and knowledge, renewing our minds with the washing of the water by the Word. Someday, the process will be complete. I'm reminded of Matthew 5, 48. says, Be ye perfect, even as your Father in heaven is perfect. Oh, Brother Stan, nobody's perfect. Well, if you really understand that Greek word that was translated perfect, it sheds some light on this where you can really grasp what's happening. Talos means brought to completion. See, that's what's happening to us. It's not just being born again. It's not just our salvation. It's our sanctification. We're growing in grace and knowledge of the Lord Jesus. One day that process will be complete. We're working every day with the Holy Spirit to transform our lives. 1 John chapter 3 verse number 2 says, When He appears, we shall be like Him. For we shall see Him as He is. Everyone who has this hope purifies himself just as He is pure. Be ye brought to completion just as your Father in heaven is complete. And the Bible tells us that we are complete in Him. In Him. 
there are two words, transform and conform. Be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. Both words have the same root word, form. And form means to shape something or mold something. Being transformed refers to the process of being shaped. Conformed kind of refers to the finished product. When you're conformed, you're complete. You are complete in Him. Not in you. Not only in your own identity, but whenever you share the identity of the Christ, the Messiah, the one who lives and is alive in his body in the earth today. Being transformed is the process and being conformed is the brought to completion. Jesus is the pattern and we're supposed to be transformed so that we'll eventually be conformed to the likeness of Christ. That's Christ-likeness. That's what we're working towards. I want to be more Christ-like. I'll tell you, I'm more Christ-like than I was 10 years ago. But 10 years from now, if I'm still here, I hope to be more Christ-like than I am today. We hadn't arrived yet, but we allow God, by His Holy Spirit, to guide us, to shape us, to mold us, to make the necessary changes. Paul was saying to the church at Philippi, they're supposed to be a reproduction or a replica of Christ. I don't know if you've ever heard that or not, but the Bible mentions it many times. So to be Christ-like means we're being formed or transformed into His image. Now, James said it this way, as we look into the perfect law of liberty, we're changed into the same image that we see little by little by little. We're changed or transformed by the image that we receive. Our mind involves a lot of areas. Our thoughts, the information that we retain, our ability to think, to comprehend, to reason. There are a lot of people that like to play games with our mind. They do it for manipulation and other purposes. In a sense, the greatest battlefield in the world is only about four or five inches between our ears. The greatest battlefield for mankind. There's a battle for our mind. There's a high cost in listening to the words of the world. But it's priceless to receive and retain and meditate on the words of God. When Jesus was tested and tempted by the devil in the wilderness, y'all remember the story. I know you do. Heard it many times. But he was victorious because he was the living word, but he had been meditating on the words of the Scripture. So much so that he could think straight. Now you need to grasp that. Here he is, gone 40 days, 40 nights without anything to eat. And the devil comes and says, well, if you're the son of God, turn these stones into bread. Immediately, without delay, Jesus quoted the old... Testament scripture man shall not live by bread alone but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God now you're going to find yourself in a place a wilderness place at some time or other in your life 
where the devil brings the temptation because of the situations and circumstances around you. You may not go 40 days and 40 nights without eating anything, but I guarantee you he'll find a weakness at some point where he puts those thoughts in our mind. And if you don't have your mind renewed with the washing of the water by the word, then you're going to be susceptible to the words that are destructive rather than creative. He had meditated on the covenant, the old covenant, so much so that he could think straight that he wasn't deceived by the words of Satan. He spoke out against that And I want to say this to you. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal. They're not like guns and bullets and knives and weapons. Our weapons are not carnal of this world. But they are mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. Vain imaginations everything that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. Can I tell you, Jesus spoke without a spirit of fear. Jesus spoke and demonstrated His sound mind. This is important, so I want you to get it. He demonstrated that He had a spirit of power, of love, and of a sound mind. You know that's what God has given His church, His body, the body of Christ in the earth. God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind doesn't mean there's not a battle for your mind doesn't mean the devil won't put those thoughts in there doesn't mean that fear and doubt and temptation won't come it simply means that we have the power to wash our minds to meditate on God's word to the point that we can think straight amen to the point that we're not tempted by those temptations of the enemy. As you begin to reclaim your mind, your soul, your thought life from the enemy, the devil doesn't want us to have victorious living. The devil doesn't desire that we be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. His mission is to set up strongholds in our lives. He won't give up easily. He won't let go easily. You're going to have to fight spiritually in this battleground. You're going to have to make up your mind. Number one is make a quality decision. You have to desire to become more Christ-like. You have to desire to get more of the word renewing your mind. You have to desire those things and act on them because it's not up to the devil and it's not up to God, but it's up to us individually. We have the responsibility to stand up in this world, stand our ground with a clear mind. See, the devil wants to bring about confusion. God's not the author of confusion, but we know who is. As the body of Christ coming together in unity, we have to recognize somebody's going to hurt your feelings. Somebody's going to disappoint you. Somebody is going to cause you to be tempted. Why? Maybe they didn't even intend to do that. Maybe they didn't even know they were doing that. But I'm going to tell you, those thoughts that come into your mind don't come from people. They come from the devil 
to cause you to think improperly, to cause you to be tempted and to get in fear and doubt, unbelief, to be offended and to be bitter. That's what's happening with everybody all the time. And number one, recognizing it is one step down the road, but then we have to do something about it because it's not up to God, it's up to us. Now, He'll help you. It's His desire. It's not His desire that any should perish, but everybody has to make up their own mind to repent. Amen. You've been given a sound mind. You can declare out loud, you will not allow any outside force to do your thinking for you. You've been given the spirit of power and love and a sound mind. We're instructed to meditate on God's word in order to triumph over the presence of evil. How I many know it's darker out there now than it has been at any time in history? Oh yeah. But you know, the darker it gets, the brighter our light shines. Isn't that good? If there be any forces of evil, we can command them to leave, given power over all the power of the enemy. Your power and your authority come from Jesus and the name that's above every name in heaven and earth and things under the earth. The last slide this morning was Philippians 1.6. I want to read that to you and then briefly talk about that. Being confident of this, first Corinthians, I mean first Philippians 1, Philippians 1, verse 6. Being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. Can I tell you, the process begins and ends in Christ. The process is God's will. You being an overcomer in this life is God's will. You being victorious in this life is God's will. You being prosperous in this life is God's will. You being healthy in this life is God's will. But hey, it's not entirely up to God. We have to win the battle of the mind. But the process begins and ends in Christ. If we are to become more Christ-like, to, to be a, mi a mirror image of the Christ, if we are to be His ambassadors and representatives in the earth, have you ever heard that? To represent Jesus, that's to represent Him alive. Who He is in you. To represent Him means to represent Him. If we're to mirror Christ, we have to be willing to come to the mirror and let Him transform the flaws that He finds in us. Mirrors always reflect images. They project images. So if we're going to mirror Christ, if we're going to be Christ-like, He has to be in charge of the mirror. Oh, think about that. Think about that for a minute. If you want a correct image coming back from the mirror, He has to be in charge of the mirror. Because what do we do? We compare ourselves with others. 
oh, you know, I'm not as bad as so-and-so. I'm, I'm a better person than that. <laughs> That's an ungodly thought, can I tell you? And the reason it is is because we should never compare ourselves with one another. We should only ever compare ourselves with the Christ. Till we all come together in the unity of the Spirit, in the knowledge of the Son of God unto a, the image of Christ. Wow. You will not be transformed by the Lord without allowing the Lord to do it. You can't be Christ-like and not allow the Lord to put you up to the mirror and make the necessary changes. We have to do that. We have to decide to do that. Here's the problem. If we try to be Christ-like on our own, you might see it this way. Here's Jesus on one hand, and here's the world on the other hand. We say in our mind, we certainly can't be as good as Jesus the Christ, but, but, but we're not as bad as the world. You see, so we say we're going to be somewhere in the middle of that. And that's okay. As long as we're on the right pathway, becoming more Christ-like. But the problem is, the world keeps moving more and more and more away from Christ. And if we're in the middle, that gives us so much more leeway. Are you here? Well, I'm still not as bad as so-and-so. Yeah, but compare yourself with the Christ. We're becoming more Christ-like every day. It is the will of God. And He will help us. He will assist us to do so. But we have to make that decision. Staying in the center keeps us moving away from God. Now God tells us, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. I tell people, don't ever let anybody else check your spiritual dipstick. Just don't allow it. You check your own spiritual dipstick, you know. Don't let somebody else tell you how spiritual or unspiritual you are. No. They don't know. He says, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. That doesn't mean you can earn salvation, but it does mean that you finish strong. Start strong and finish strong. Even if you started weak, finish strong. Do everything, Paul says, without complaining, without arguing, so that you may become blameless and pure children of God without fault in a crooked and perverse generation in which you shine as stars. You know, when you look up at the sky and clear sky at night and see a shining star there's no telling how far that is away but it lights up a darkened sky we're to be the light of this world as the body of Christ oh yeah the dark is getting dark I mean it's it's really uh, I was raised up in the 50's and 60's and I know it's a lot darker now than it was then. Wow. Somebody said, I didn't know Brother Stan was that old. <laughs> no selfish ambition. No self-centered motives. No vain consent. But allowing God to transform you into the image of Christ and to go forth and to turn our community upside down for Jesus. We are the light of the world. There is no other. 
The United Way is a good organization, but they're not going to get anybody saved, born again, converted. There are a lot of good organizations out there that do a lot of good works. But there's no other body on the earth but the body of Christ that is called to continue His program and to do it His way. You know, I thank God that God has allowed us to come together as one body, one church, one affiliation here. I thank God for that. But you know, we've got a big job to do. And I thank God that we're up to the job. Somebody said, well, you know, just pray. God can do anything. Yeah? Let me tell you what the Bible says about that. All God is able to do exceeding abundantly above Ephesians 2.20. Exceeding abundantly above all that we could ask or think according to the power that works within us. See, the Spirit of Christ is alive in you. But you have a soul, you have a mind, and there's a battle going on. And so we need to recognize what's happening and stand up and be what God has called us to be in this world today. God bless you this morning. I'm so honored to be here and speaking to you this morning. I'll tell you what we're going to do today. If anyone has a need of any kind, it doesn't make any difference what it is. You don't even have to say what it is. God knows what's going on in your life. And He cares about you. If there's someone here that has never made Jesus the Lord of their life, I want you to be one of the first. But I'm going to ask anybody that has any situation that we can agree in prayer with you about, that you want to come up here and stand in the front and let God's people agree with you You know, the Bible says, if there be any sick among you, let them call for the elders of the church. They'll anoint them with oil, lay hands on them. The prayer of faith will save the sick and the Lord will raise them up. Whatever it is that you have need of today, I want to give you an opportunity. Just stand right there where you are and come up here to the front and someone will pray with you. We'll we'll join together as a church, as a body of believers, and we'll believe God with you. Come on. Anybody that has any kind of need at all, whatever you have, God wants to meet your need. Hallelujah. Come on, anybody. Yes. Now I want you to do something for me this morning. If you're sitting out there and you know as these begin to come, if you're sitting out there, I want you to just reach your hand forward and just ask God in your own way, just pray in your own time, ask God to meet the needs of His people this morning. Would you do that? Father God, we come to You today. We know that your people have need. We know that your children have situations and circumstances that they face. God, and you know exactly what it is. And you know how to solve that problem. We come to you today believing you. Lifting up our faith toward heaven. To know that you are who you said you are. That you care as much as you have shown that you do care for us. So God, for these that have come this morning, God, I ask you that you would supernaturally touch them. 
By your Spirit, rise up from within them. Give them a joy and a comfort and a peace that passes all understanding. God, that you would cause their need to be met. That right now, that we agree together with them according to your word that they are overcomers in this life. They are overcomers in this life. According to your word, we declare greater is he that is in them than he that is in this world. God, whatever it is that comes against these, God, we ask you that you would supernaturally give them the strength and the ability and the empowerment to stand up against that thing and God walk out of here victorious in Jesus' name. We lift our faith to you. God, we believe you. We don't believe what the world says. We don't believe what the symptoms say. We don't believe what everything else going on around us. We believe your word and we stand on that today. Man shall not live by bread alone but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. God, I bless these, your people, in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. God bless you this morning. I know God's at work in your life. Hallelujah. It's good to have people agreeing with one another. Thank you for agreeing with us on that. Well, that will conclude our service this morning, but I want you to know that uh, I love you very much and God loves you and that uh, you're very special. Uh, we're going to continue from here on, uh, from this day forward, and we're going to have successes and we're going to have some setbacks. But how many know we're going to make it because we do it in the name of the Lord. We're His instruments, His vessels that He uses in this earth. God bless you.